Well, grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Many of you uh, know me as a uh, planner, uh, someone that likes to uh, have things kind of uh, uh, measured out, meted out, done in a timely manner. Uh, it can get the best of me. I don't know if uh, many of you are recovering perfectionists as uh, I am uh, self-diagnosed. Self-diagn- don't trust anyone else to make that diagnosis, so I just uh, make that myself. Okay. Some of you are in that same boat. You get where it's at. So yesterday, uh, the Dyers uh, decided to go as a family to a wedding that I was performing uh, up in Lakewood. So I, I might have set a time that we should leave the house, and maybe that time was met or not met. It's still up for debate on uh, how exactly that came across. And needless to say, I told the wedding party I would be there no later than 4.30 for a 5 o'clock wedding. No later. We leave the house at 3.40 to go to Lakewood. It's 67 miles away. You do a little math there. We get on I-25. We are motoring on the on-ramp. We are going uphill. We're in the slingshot lane, right? You know where that's? That's the right-hand side where everyone's trying to merge. No, you go around, okay? Get to the top of Monument Hill. We are bumper to bumper. This is not good. Cinda says, Get off 105, back way. Trust me, I'd do it. She's like, Renaissance traffic. I'm like, oh, good night. I wasn't thinking for that. Bumper to bumper for miles. We head 105. I'm ripping it up on 105. It is glorious out. Cinda's, look, children, the camels. Over here are the buffalo. Here's some beautiful horses. And I'm like, I got to get around a passing zone here. We got to get there. We get there, I call, they're dead zones, can't get a hold of the father. He's like, you're cutting up, and we can't communicate the message. Oh, we finally get around there, and at 10 till 5, Pastor Dyer arrives. <laughs> I jump out of the car, Cindy goes and parks with the kids, and I'm like, see you later, I'm out, I got the book, I'm ready to go. I watch. Hi, everyone doing Okay. Uh, so we got a wedding going on here, and uh, everything should be good. And I said, whoa, okay, so normally I've got a checklist. Normally I, I go, we got marriage license, we got rings, we got a bride, we got a groom, okay? I mean, that's all good stuff. We got grandma, uh, we got grandmas, this one, we got one each side. We got parents as they're applicable, okay? We, we, we got them. Chairs are set up, caterers ready. Everybody's good to go. I'm like, all right, okay. Well, let's, let's do this thing, but see, I'm late, so I don't get through my normal checklist, okay? One thing I do is I go up to the groom. I said, Mary's license. He goes, ah, back at the hotel. I said, how far away is the hotel? Longer than 10 minutes. I said, okay, no problem. You send somebody after the service is over. We'll get the Mary's license. We'll take pictures. We'll get it all done. It's all good. Great. I said, okay, everybody, line up. Here we go. And it's outdoor at a golf course. And there's a big tree, and everybody's in the shade. I mean, it is God-pleasing the whole way around, okay? Little breeze starts to come through the golf course. It's 95 degrees. We're all, but beautiful. We walk up the center, and the groom's with me. We stand up, and everyone comes down, and they line up. Everything's going perfectly. The bride comes. Now, the bride's dad died when she was young. And so one of the groomsmen 
stood in the place of the dad and walked her down uh, the aisle. And it was a gorgeous moment and walks her down. Who gives this woman to be married? Her grandmother and siblings, because that's who's there, okay? Uh, mom's not in the picture at all, and so awesome, and so we do the service, and, and I tell everyone, it's great to see this couple here, and I do the readings, and then I do my short sermon, 28 minutes, not pro and I get through that, okay? We get through the message, but here, in the message, I said one of these things. I said, you know, the only piece of advice I would give the two of you is that as you are standing facing each other right now, so when one of the two of you messes up, you're going to need to forgive each other. You're going to need to be able to say, I forgive you. I said, so I want you to practice. I said, groom, I want you to say these words. Please forgive me, I was wrong. And he says the words. And I said, and bride, say this, you're forgiven. And it was awesome. And then I said, bride, say, I was wrong, please forgive me. She said, I was wrong, please forgive me. And the groom says, you're forgiven. And it kind of set the whole point for the message, and people were like, oh, that. Uh, grandmas were, mm, that's, that's right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we had it going. I had the whole thing going. I get done with the message, and then there's the rest of the service, okay? Uh, the intent, will you love, honor, cherish, daughter? Yes, I will. Will you do this with the budget? Yes, I will. May I have the rings? Now, I know the groom and his best man, his brother. We knew them up in uh, Denver when they were teenagers. And I warned them at the rehearsal, this is my service. Don't you screw around with my rings. When I ask for the rings, you put the rings in there. Don't give me the, oh, I can't find the rings. I don't know. Where they... I said, don't do that. I look at Cameron, and Cameron's face is white. <laughs> and he ain't joking. And I look at the groom, and I said, your brother doesn't have the rings. And he goes, they're with the marriage license. <laughs> now, see, I'm mad at me going, Dyer, you should have checked this off. And if you hadn't been late and left the house, you didn't have a room for error. Oh, you messed this up. Okay, I'm not mad at them. And right then. The groomsman that walked her in took his ring off and said, here, use mine. And Nick's grandmother took her ring off. And they handed it down the line. They said, here, use these rings. And we finished the ceremony gloriously. I mentioned it a little bit in confession. If, if you think that God's grace isn't huge, then you're missing the point. When she said her vows, and after he had said, I don't have the rings, they're at the hotel, she looked at him in the face and said out loud in front of everybody, I forgive you. If you think this Christian life is about anything else except receiving God's grace, I mean, how per 
Picture perfect was this wedding. The dad figure who's standing in as a dad figure for this wedding hands his own ring. That's God's grace. Undeserved. I mean, there should have been a story for centuries, not of her, only her forgiveness, but of how Nicholas forgot the rings, which probably still will be a story for the centuries. <laughs> but I'll guarantee you the better story that they have. It's about God's grace. You see, in our reading this morning, these believers... They came together because it's like family, like at that wedding. It, you share things in common. I mean, those rings were given for, here, use mine, doesn't matter, it's all good. And, and they stood up for each other, and they fellowshiped afterwards with each other, and they encouraged one another, and they lifted one another up in prayer. There was grandma's going, I was praying during the whole time, we would find a ring. We found a ring. Do you understand the words and context now of what we're talking about, the early church? Now, this is not prescriptive, meaning this is prescribed. This is not how the church is supposed to look. It's describing how the first century church looked. And I'm not saying we have to do it this way. I'm saying I think what they figured out is a great way of living life together as believers in Jesus Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I don't know what your mornings are like when that alarm goes off at 4 or 5, maybe 6 o'clock for you, but is your morning devotional routine, oh, I've got an appointment with God. <laughs> I mean, are you drag butt all the way to the dinner table to open your Bible? Or is it even a part of your routine? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which means they were in the Word. They met together regularly, and I'm amazed that Christians think that they can go about each and every day and not read some portion or part of God's Word and be filled by it, or not at least turn on Christian radio and be filled by uh, the singing of God's saints. Or you can't bend on a knee and say, God, I dedicate this day to you. Lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. No, we wake up and it's, and, and I so wonder why Christians are amazed then that their life is no different than an unbeliever's life. Well, you don't devote yourself to God's word. They devoted themselves to fellowship, doing life together, koinonia, which means they shared life. It means they shared prayer requests. It means that they shared food. It's that they shared time together. But I know I don't have time to share life with other Christians. That's too bad. It's too bad because I think it's a priority that Christians, there are no Lone Ranger kinds of Christians. You don't make it on your own. Well, I wish it if my spouse would do more with me. You can wish all you want. Look, get a group, be in a life group, join some people and do life together. Yesterday morning, yeah, we had a, uh, we had a wedding to get to in the evening, but our life group got together yesterday morning, 10.30, we ate for two and a half hours. Now, who doesn't want to do that? Come on. <laughs> Come on. I barely even had to eat at the wedding reception. We had brunch, better known as breakfast for two and a half hours. I'm telling you, 
okay? There were drinks, there was biscuits and gravy, there were four kinds of bacon. <laughs> yeah, some of you are going, we didn't eat breakfast this morning, I'm a little hungry. I made homemade donuts. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> we had a bounce house. I don't know, we had 15 kids all under the age, I don't know, 11, 12 years old, running around. We brought two puppies together. It was pure entertainment for all of us. Kids in a sandbox, jumping in and out of the bounce house. Kids running everywhere, in and out of the house, all over the place. We had food coming out of our ears. And it was God-pleasing. Hey, how's work going? Hey, how's life going? Hey, how? We were checking in with each other. And we made time to do life together. And at the end of it, yeah, I wanted to take a nap, so I did. I took, took 20 minutes. I still had to work you know, the rest of the evening. But it was pleasing to the soul. And I know why people don't do life together. They're so busy. They're so busy during the whole week that they don't have time. The weekend, well, not the weekend, I got to do my chores. I got to do extra laundry, extra cleaning. I got to take care of the yard and do the flowers and, and do the gardening and everything else that's got to be done because we're so busy Monday through Friday. The weekend comes around. No, we don't have time for another people, a group of people. The breaking of the bread. Now, I'm going to be careful here. The language in Greek is the exact same as sharing a meal. I just want you to know that. But the context here seems to indicate that what these people did was the holy act of holy communion. In their homes. Now I want you to know, but we don't have a pastor in our life group. Do we want you running around just having Holy Communion whenever it feels good? No. Do we have a procedure set in place? Yes, the elders and I, we've talked about this. We've worked with life groups, okay? You want to do that on a, on a semi-routine basis? Let, let's be careful here. We want you to come join. Let's have Holy Communion together. Let's do this on a regular basis. We do it here every other week. But if you want to be in your homes with life group and you want to do it, we're going to be careful. You don't have to have a pastor present. What you have to have is a group leader who understands what you all are doing and is ready to teach and to, and to express with you the importance of what we are doing. Many of you, you've got unbelievers in your group. Should an unbeliever take Holy Communion just because everybody else is doing it? No! Be patient with them. Does it mean you can still have communion around them? Yes. The point is, we say, hey, here's fellowship. We want to be together. We absolutely want to be together around God's gifts of grace. And they devoted themselves to prayer. Devoted prayer. Not you're trying to get on the on-ramp and it's, oh God, protect me. <laughs> but it's praying for others. It's asking for God's divine intervention into the lives of your family. It's asking God on a regular and routine basis to soften your heart so that you can, be, by grace, be transformed into the servant that God would have you be. It is praying for people across the world and people around your neighborhood, your workplace. I got an email Friday. A couple, uh, they went away on vacation 
<laughs> she emails and says, hey, we're uh, stopped off at a, uh, a fast food place, and I've met, and she tells the name of this boy. He's 15 years old, and I found out that he's, we share a birthday on September the 13th, and I was like, who is at a fast food restaurant finding out the name of a guy and how old he is and when his birthday is? She said, I just wanted to check in with you. We're not going to be around because of vacation. I want to let you know that there's this boy who's 15 who has birthday on September the 13th, and I'm going to be praying for him, and I told him so. And I told him what I'd be praying for was that I was going to ask God to bless him. And he stopped me and said, no one has ever prayed for God's blessing for me. Now do you get a picture of what I mean by devoted to prayer? To a stranger even? Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Filled with awe! When was the last time that you as a Christian were filled with awe? It's as if we believe, well, God used to do miracles. He probably doesn't do them anymore. But we get to read about them, so that makes us feel good. No! Awed. Awed by the mighty hand of God working for protection. Awed by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ being extended to you. Filled with the Holy Spirit and watching Him transform your own heart and the hearts of those around you. You get to be awed by it, right? When your kid goes, hey, let's listen to some Christian radio because, well, you know, let's praise God. Awesome. If you're not awed by that, then you're missing the point. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. We started trying to do this a little bit this last winter with uh, one member from our life group that lives around the corner from me. We began to share duties with removing snow. Well, why do we each have to just do our own driveway in the side? Why don't we share that duty? He's busy one week, I'll do it. He, I'm busy next week, he does it. Why not? Doing things in common, sharing with the resources. Do we all need to buy a snowblower? Well, it's Father's Day, so yes, we probably need to all buy a snowblower. But, but you get the point. The point being, why don't we share these resources of our time and our talents and our treasures? Why aren't we sharing with those in our neighborhood and being able to say, you know what? I am a Christian and I actually live this out and I am not perfect, but I know that what my God has called me to do is to show you love. And love is an action verb. It comes with forgiveness and living out our faith. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They met in the temple courts, which is the area right outside the temple. They shared, hey, how's it going? Why do you think we've got a donut room? Okay, if they'd have had great donuts, like we got great donuts, they probably would have not met in the temple courts, but they'd have met in the fellowship donut room. <laughs> I shared this with some of you before. In the 1950s, architecture changed in the United States. Prior to the 1950s, when you were a builder, you always put a front porch on a house, and in the 1950s, air conditioning was introduced into the homes. And from that point forward, architects quit designing front porches. 
And consequently, people quit meeting on their front porch. And they quit knowing their neighbors. And entire communities died. Where do we get off working so hard, so long, that we, we have the audacity to drive home, maybe wave at our neighbor, open the garage door, drive in, pull the garage door shut, and for the next 16 hours, retreat. It's not life together. It's not developing community. But you don't know my neighbor. Oh, yes, I do. I got two of them. (laughs) I know it's hard. But God loves them. Maybe I can too. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That phrase, similar to before, but in context here, this is more they shared meals together. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They enjoyed the graciousness of all the people. We started this out today by clearly understanding that forgiveness is the point. And once forgiven, then we are to forgive. We are to be gracious. And our graciousness invites others to be gracious. Our love invites others to love. You say, but it's risky. If I put it out there, I might get stomped. Yes, you will. But I'll guarantee you, it'll never be God. It'll never be God the Father. It'll never be Jesus Christ, His only Son. It'll never be the Holy Spirit that will spurn you and turn you away. They are absolutely wanting to koinonia with you at all times. To do life with you. And by God's grace, He does. He lives in us and does life with us. But folks, now the step is to live that life together with an open chair or two for those that are outside of you. And I will guarantee you that we will see wonderful and miraculous things by God's grace. Amen. And now may this word of the Lord strengthen your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until his return to take us all home. Amen.